After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. <laughs> he is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Fula. What up? This is DJ D Dime, and listen to Cool Kids Radio Urban Education on Saturday nights, Saturday nights, 10 to midnight, as we do it right, playing old school, new school, hip hop and R&B, and we play local artists. Glass City Stand Up. If you missed the show, we have the replay afterwards, and you can listen to the show throughout the week, 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. on Toledo's only alternative. Welcome back to 88.3 WCTs. After further review, today's show, we're out of town a little bit. Well, I'm actually out of town for a, a AAU tournament. Frank Baster's doing baseball, so he won't be on the show today. But we got David the Man of God Harris on the phone lines with us with the taped edition in the home studio. And you talk NBA. The NBA season ended and a lot of drama happening. And that drama is the LA Lakers out there in La La Land. And, uh, man, it's, it's a lot of stuff has developed uh, actually recently in the past 24 hours. Make sure you always check us out on iTunes and on SoundCloud at WHD after further review on SoundCloud. And then just after further review with the picture of Frank Baster and the horse's head, we have one rating with a five star. Make sure if you go on over there, then listen to, to us on iTunes, pick us up, hit the rating, say give us five stars so we can circulate a little bit more and they can listen to all our great Segments here on After Further Review Saturdays, 11 to 1, airing on 88.3 WXUT Toledo's only alternative. But we got David the Man and God Harris on the phone lines, and David, a pretty uh, interesting way to end the NBA regular season. Dirk and Dwayne Wade don't make it to the playoffs. Neither does LeBron James since 2005. That hasn't happened. He hasn't been in the playoffs. I wonder when the last time actually all three of those dudes, I'd have to look that up, when all three of those dudes, him, Wade, and Dirk were not in the playoffs. I would probably have to say, man, it'd have to be probably before some of their guys even got in the NBA, uh, believe it or not, because Dallas was always competitive when LeBron was in the league. D-Wade with the Heat, I know I think he missed his first couple of years, but then when he got Shaq, they started making a lot of runs in the playoffs, so I didn't have to look that up. Wonder when the last time they all uh, didn't make the playoffs. But we got to talk about the Lakers first. Um, Magic Johnson out, just abruptly quits. Doesn't even let his boss know. Just you know, does an interview and says, "I quit." Not in those words, but just says, "You know what? I'm tired of the backstabbing and the backbiting. I'm out of here." And then just recently, a few hours ago. Here on uh, later today on on this Friday as we uh, tape, Luke Walton and the Lakers decide to part ways. Considering that the Kings already said he's a front runner for the job, and with Johnson gone, even though he wanted to fire Luke Walton, he's gone. Rob Polinka, we don't know what his status is. With everything up in the air, 
I think Luke Walton said, you know what, I'll just cut my losses and go where, where I'm wanting instead of maybe waiting for who's going to fill spots in the new management. Plus, new management guy is probably going to want their own guy. By the way, David Griffin is going to the Pelican, so you can scratch that GM off the list. David, your thoughts? Yeah, it just seems like a messy and murky situation from the start. And, of course, we have to look at the main focal piece, the one who well, doesn't want to say he's orchestrating things, but a lot of these situations... Well, who is it? At, at least with Luke Walton, it's with LeBron in that relationship. I think, looking at Magic Johnson, I think part of it is a little BS thing that he you know, doesn't want to have fun and he can't tweet out a message to Russell Westbrook saying congratulations because it may seem like hampering. Like, dude, you could have sent the message out. Like, I think a lot of people will understand, like, a former NBA player, a great distributor of the basketball, as you were, congratulating Russell Westbrook on averaging a triple-double for the third straight season. Like, you can give him accomplishment, and people would be like, okay, yeah, it's not tampering. I think part of it for him kind of is that expectation of, hey, I'm going to come in, be part of a rebuild, Oh, then, but by the way, here comes this LeBron James guy. And his rebuild is a lot different than the one that you had come in thinking that you were going to be kind of the mastermind orchestrator of. And so I think for Magic Johnson, when he says he's not having fun, it's probably because at work he's trying to figure out how to do this man, like ownership management position with this young core, with this young group that he was – I don't want to say completely influential, but he had a couple pieces here and there. But when, you know, Mr. James comes in, that changes everything until everyone's job is uncomfortable. So let, let's just be honest, Matt. You just wanted to get away from LeBron. And would anyone really say, you know, you should just stay with LeBron James. Let him see his but he brought, out. But he brought LeBron in, though. I, why ain't going to say he doesn't want to be with him if he brought him in? I, from what I'm hearing in the reports throughout the week was he wanted to fire Luke Walton. He wanted to get rid of Rob Palenka, and Jeannie Buss told him no. And he felt, yeah. well, if you're taking away my power here, I, what am I here for? Am I just a face and an ambassador? And he he felt that he lost power. He also didn't like the fact that Rob Polinka was going in the building saying, well, where's Magic? When Magic, they said, wasn't really around. And the position that he holds, he has to go to basically small gyms everywhere in the country, in this country, other countries, all around the world to find that diamond in the rough or the fine talent. And Magic Johnson just wasn't that type of guy. You got to be a grinder if you're in the in the front office. And we'll try to get Darren Cohn in, in the next couple of weeks talk playoff basketball because he's he's a scout and he'll even tell you from anyone in the scouting department to the GM to the VP of basketball operations, you pretty much are using analytics and scouting to keep that team afloat and trying to find that either that diamond in the rough or a guy that can fit your basketball culture and they just said Magic Johnson wasn't really around that much and he didn't want to put in that hard work and I guess it kind of showed but you know you you can't really blame all of this on LeBron but then again though Magic brought him in but he knew what he was bringing in with LeBron seeing what he was doing with the Cavs you know the recently yeah and I think part of it is on Magic Johnson if he like 
by at this point, we know the track record, what LeBron's history is with franchises. And so that was, at least in his mind, high risk, high reward. And so I was looking at Magic Johnson. We knew that as soon as Jeannie said, hey, Magic Johnson's coming to the Lakers, everyone was like, he's going to be the face that's promoted on everything. It's like, we don't have any players. Because, you know, Kobe was when we out the door. And so outside of his farewell retirement tour, okay, it was now going to be Magic. He's going to be the recognizable name within this organization outside of the bus fan name. And so for him, it's trying to balance being the face and having to be in L.A. versus doing the job, which requires you to travel, as you said, all around the place. And so I think for him, it probably wore him out more than he wants to admit. And two, probably the constant back and forth appearances and everything in terms of being the face of the Lakers. And then also, oh, by the way, he's involved with the Dodgers. He has his movie theaters. He has all these other ventures that he's a part of. And I think the Lakers' job and all that entails just being involved with basketball front office probably took him away from stuff that he was really, like he said, having fun doing. And so I think it was probably just take this off my plate. Maybe I can breathe a little easier. Maybe I can get back to doing all these other ventures that I have my name associated with. No, no yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. Um, it's a lot of turmoil and tumultuous. Um, they got to... But here's the problem, though. They, they, they're they stuck in a dilemma. Do you build the team around LeBron or do you go and just say, trade LeBron for assets and rebuild? Because that's the juncture you're at right now. And I think a one elephant in the room that people aren't understanding is that Rob Polinka used to be an agent in the league, and he wasn't a very light agent, <laughs> so to speak, nope. among other agents and other GMs, which explains why they maybe aren't being able to close deals with uh, different athletes and you're gonna have to really look at that as you know a bargaining chip for this organization is do you keep palinka i mean if you can't you're in a negotiating you learn this in a negotiation class that i've taken one at university of toledo it takes two to negotiate if someone else ain't picking up the phone on the other end then pretty much your negotiation is is squashed before it even starts so they're going to have to take a hard look at Rob Polinka and see what he can do in salvage. Now, I think they brought in Rob Polinka because he's more of an analytical guy. I think he he wants to do the dirty work, and he was a friend of Kobe. And as people have said, you know, Chris Burchard, Burchard from Fox Sports has said, the Lakers are almost like a mom-and-pop ran organization amongst a bunch of corporations in the NBA. So I think they were going to bring him in, and then Magic was going to be the wine-and-dine, charming individual that was going to try to get the free agents in. But the problem was Rob Palenka was kind of there, and people didn't want to deal with him. And I think that plan kind of backfired. And then on top of that, Rob Palenka kind of maybe, you know, like not maybe what Magic said, you know what, this guy's over here backstabbing me. So I think that just turmoil just led to a lot of stuff. And I think they also made a lot of blunders with bringing in LeBron. And, you know, Coach Cohn mentioned it last week. You got to be like Pat Riley. You got to stand up to him. And LeBron didn't want Walton there. Then Magic don't want Walton there. And it's just like, 
you could just tell watching Laker games. There was a dissension in the team. There was almost like the younger guys were looking up to LeBron, and I think they were playing really well until that injury happened and the trade deadline happened, and then you could just see a, a fraction in the team. And that's something that the Lakers management is going to have to juggle and deal with. And they're going to have to find someone that has a backbone who's there to say, you know what, I'm here for the organization. And LeBron is on borrowed time. Three more years left. And I think out of those three years, he still has two really highly competitive years to the point then maybe he starts kind of playing like D-Wade and Dirk Nowitzki where you get glimpses of the old LeBron throughout the 82 games, but you're not going to get that consistently throughout. I mean, he's already not playing defense as it is, the, the, the intense defense that we're used to seeing him. So um, this, this will be an interesting offseason for them. Yeah, and kind of mentioning to that mom and pop, I, that's why Jeannie Buzz brought Magic in, because to the Buzz family, Magic was basically like kind of a, like his pseudo-son. The way that he was so beloved by the fans, beloved by the Buzz family, so he was supposed to be that guy who has the backbone and say, hey, I'm doing this for the organization because he was part of Showtime. He was kind of the L.A.'s kind of golden child. And so for a lot of people, it surprised them that, hey, Magic Johnson, why are you not agreeing with LeBron James but kind of not standing up and saying, hey, like let's just have a team meeting, let's talk this out and see how we can move forward for the know betterment of the organization because i think now like you said it's back to this question of are we rebuilding around lebron or are we going to look at kind of the young pieces because rebuilding doing the let's just call it what it is the lebron way with hey we're going to have a veteran here for a year or two we're going to pay him a little bit of money and then we're just kind of progress and hopefully make the playoffs and then by making the playoffs, will attract some larger free agents. That plan didn't work this year because the veterans were the ones that were playing, you know, like dumpster fire. And while it was the young guys, well, you were, they, they, they they surrounded a team with no shooters. For one, with LeBron, that didn't make any from the get go. The stuff just didn't make sense. Like you know, Rondo, I kind of could see because he, you know, he's a smart intellectual basketball player. But guys like Lance Stevenson and Michael Beasley. And then look what the guys that they got rid of, though, like um, Robin Randall, well, Randall, Julius Randall, Lopez, they got rid of. I mean, Lopez is one of the best shooting bigs in the league, could be a stretch five and run the floor. Randall, same way. Those guys could have ran with LeBron James and, and still got got around the basket. If he drove, he could dish it off to them or he could drive and kick to them to hit shots. They get rid of him for JaVale McGee and Michael Beasley. Yeah. I mean, just, just high-skilled, talented players. Even the Muscala, you know, trade didn't make sense. I mean, it, it just seemed like, it, it, you know, it was just like we're just put. it was almost like they were running like a 2K game. Like, we just put these players together and hopefully it works out. Then you brought LeBron in, and you, then you got a question, was LeBron really going to the Lakers to play basketball, or was it because he could go to L.A., you know, play some basketball, but then open up other ventures for his brand after the life after basketball? That That's another question mark that you have because if you think about it, all these ventures he's doing, kind of interesting that none of the teammates on the Lakers are involved in them. And, and people have said that he 
was sometimes not even like at practice. He was just doing his other ventures. Or look at the exit interviews. The day you have exit interviews, you're over in Brooklyn hanging out with Carmelo and Chris Paul to uh, celebrate Dwayne Wade's last game, which, which, you know, hey, you can do that. But you could have probably did the exit interview earlier in the day, got on the private jet, flew out to Brooklyn, and did your thing. So it makes you wonder, as an organization, is LeBron fully into this? I mean, either way, I don't know if this will really hurt his legacy or not, but it's like, you know, everyone knew when he came to L.A. that was he going to play as hard as he was when he went back to Cleveland because he wanted to fulfill a promise, or is he here because eh, he could finish out his, you know, career, walk away in the sunset, maybe get one title or something like that with the Lakers, but basically his main goal is to start production companies. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen it, and we've talked about it throughout the regular season, his, you know, kind of thing with... um in a music studio, his roundtable discussion, his barber shop, like all the other the, videos, the, the, and then the game like with Tim Tebow was that run for a million dollars. He's got he's an ex- executive producer with Tim Tebow as well. Or have you seen that? That's supposed to be on CBS. Yeah, so it's like, and then you know, with the whole Space Jam two thing, it's like, like you're putting so much energy and focus and concentration on stuff that, yeah, you know, you have these ideas, but you're trying to win basketball games. Like I, we, and the Lakers really weren't that far away from making the playoffs, even with you being out 18, 19 games. Now, do I think that they would have made a glorious run? Probably not, because it would have taken a miracle for the rest of that unit to work together, but there are still, there's still a slim possibility, week or two, left in the season that, hey, the Lakers could actually still do this. They may get swept in four games, but they can at least still do this and say, hey, there was some kind of success. But now it just comes to, okay, what was the point of the season? Was it to just pay off, you know, these one-year veteran contracts? Was it to get these young players better? Was it for LeBron to kind of implement his plan? Because now you're basically starting from scratch because Magic was brought in to be part of this young rebuild with the Ingrams, with the Kuzmas, with the with Lonzo Ball, with before you got traded, Julius Randle. Like, that was supposed to be your core, like, four-year, four-four to move forward, similar way to how Luke Walton's getting ready to see with Sacramento if he does end up taking that job. But now it's like, okay, if you're a Lakers fan, what are you supposed to expect? It's almost as though this season you took a step backward. And is it fair to say that you're now the second best team in the city? Because <laughs> I wouldn't put it past people if they were saying, hey, the Clippers are actually better than you right now. And the Clippers were actually trying to tank and not be in the playoffs. And they got in the playoffs. Well, I, I think maybe organizational wise, it may be the better team than the Lakers because they, you know, they got Jerry West there, Balmer. I mean, they, they, they and one of the best coaches in the league, and Glenn Doc Rivers. So right now, they are. I think brand wise, no. I mean, people will still go see the Lakers even if they're they're losing. Um, I don't know how long the the fan patience of the fans will last, but right now, organizational wise, the Lakers are the second best team in their own city, and they better start trying to get it together. 
um, before the brand maybe starts taking a little bit of a dent, uh, Jeannie Buss has to realize she needs to be bringing in basketball people. Um, none of the, the f- hiring the friends, and that's nice. You want to hire people that are friends, and I get it. In the, in this business, you want to hire your guy, and, and and your philosophies match up, so there's no you know turmoil, disgruntlement um, amongst each other. But at the same time, though, when you start doing the whole buddy buddy system, sometimes accountability is not held, and it, you, then you start getting guys that are saying yes to things, even though. In reality, it might be bad for business. Yeah, and I think it starts with, I don't want to say get rid of the mom-and-pop mentality, but something's got to change to where you got to kind of break out. And they tried doing that with the Palenka, even though he's kind of more of like, you know, redheaded stepchild in the grand sense of the Lakers franchise or Lakers front office picture. But yeah, just bring in a fresh set of eyes. Because I think a fresh set of eyes, someone that can really help treat this from a basketball perspective, even though we all know they're going to look for guys affiliated with the Lakers, I wouldn't be surprised if they called, you know, caught up with former players, like, hey, Byron Scott, what do you think? Like, <laughs> like we know that they're going to make those calls uh, to former Lakers, just be like, hey, what's up? The, the the rumor might be that maybe Kurt Rambis might come in, a former Laker. Um, I know they're saying that she's close with him and possibly I think his wife is close or does something with the Lakers, I believe. So that James Worthy does some of their sports broadcasts, but I don't know if they'd be going around asking Byron Scott. You know, Byron Scott, I think, was the head coach of the Lakers, and that didn't, you know, that didn't really work out. And they were just happy to get rid of Jim Buss. But once again, it shows you in life that the reason why certain teams lose or certain programs in college or high school lose a lot of people like to blame the talent and in the coaching a lot of times it's a trickle down effect from just poor management and poor administration is the reason why teams are are, are looking bad and in lack of organization and, and, and sometimes just a lack of leadership yeah and it's really it begs the question, who is the leader of the Lakers? It's Jeannie Buss, and then who? Who is the number two in charge that can either put the foot down and say, here's what we're doing, or especially when it comes to on the court, who is the leader of that team? Because we, can we really say it's LeBron James? Because it looked like he, he really wasn't exhibiting quite leadership quality for a good chunk of the season. So it's like, who is going to be that leader on the court? Who is going to tell everyone, hey, this is how we do things here? So what do you want to talk about, Dirk and Dwayne Wade? As we got David, the man of guy, Harris here on the phone lines here on After Further Review. Your thoughts on their seasons or toward the end or their last games, basically? Yeah, I think Dirk Nowitzki, well, both of them kind of went out similar to how their style was in their playing careers. Dirk was more... Like, he wasn't in your face, brash about it. His was like, oh, by the way, I'm retiring. See ya. And everyone's like, yeah, we kind of knew that this was going to be your farewell season. I think the All-Star game kind of, not sympathy vote, but kind of third round, like, hey, we're going to give you the farewell. I think that was a sign for a lot of people that he was, you know, at, this was the end. But I think Dwayne Wade was for Dwayne Wade, the farewell tour, because he was more, I don't want to say a beloved figure, but he 
he really represented a good chunk of what basketball was in that mid-2000s to uh, mid-2013, you know, 2014, 2015, before injuries and his performance started to decline. Like, he was one of those conversations, top five, top ten, making the big plays, doing kind of all kinds of crazy stuff. And then with Dirk Nowitzki being one of the forerunners for the European game, kind of actually succeeding in the NBA, I think that's where his legacy will go down. Kind of, I think a lot of people thought of, okay, European big men, soft, not physical. And then they saw Dirk Nowitzki, this skinny kid from Germany, is like, oh, yeah, he's going to fit into this same mold, not really tough, going to push him around. And then Dirk was like, I'm here. And then Dirk kind of over the years became this kind of cult-like figure, not only with Dallas, but with a lot of players who appreciate the European style game and how that is fed into what the NBA has become. And so I think both of their legacies, do I think that both will end up in the Hall of Fame? Probably, just because that's the NBA Hall of Fame. I think Dirk, for more international achievements than kind of the global game, will get him in along with his NBA achievements, whereas Dwayne Wade, kind of the personal accolades. But I, I think the league is definitely going to be different just in terms of the personalities and buzz of those cities. But going out on triple-double, like that, like that, like the Heat are bad. And Dwayne Wade kind of showed it with this farewell season and kind of how important he was to that offense. But, yeah, I think both teams are going to be significantly worse, and I think the Heat are going to miss Dwayne Wade more than the Mavericks are going to miss Dirk. Well, and the Heat weren't really all, all that that great this year. Not to mention you got Luka and then also Christoph Persingas, the unicorn over with Dallas. So it was like they, they kind of started the rebuild process while he was still there, while as – with Dwayne Wade, you don't know really what their intentions or the process is with um with them. No, I I think more, and I th- I've heard a lot of people saying because Dwayne Wade, you know, the farewell season, you want to see if you can get him into the playoffs for the you know, continuous farewell tour. But I think starting from scratch, figuring out who's going to be the number one scoring option in Miami because. Is it going to be Dion Waiters? Is it going to be James Johnson? Is it going to be Goran Dragic? Like, who's going to be and pick up the scoring? Because it's not going to be Hassan Whiteside. Like, we've established that his game is just not equating to I'm going to be the number one scoring option for this team and have offense run through me. And so you kind of look at that Miami front offense. Okay, where do they go from here? You have them. Mid-first-round pick, so unless you trade up and trade away assets, you're not going to get a marquee, you know, top five, top ten kind of caliber talent that everyone knows the name of. Do you go for that diamond in the rough? Have you scouted found some players that are going to be scorers first? Like, so there's a lot of questions in Miami, and I do think, like you said, Dallas is going to be better off with Luka and Kristoff. Like that, that tandem 
if they can stay healthy, it's going to wreak havoc in the West for a little bit. Yeah. Any uh, some of your thoughts on this season or anything? Maybe a possible MVP so far or rookie of the years. I think I would I would give the MVP to Giannis over James Harden. I know mm-hmm. because the MVP is basically a de facto offensive most valuable, you know, most outstanding player of the year award. I think a lot of people are going to go with Harden because he had the streak of thirty, you know, thirty points and however many straight games they're going to look at the scoring offense. But for me, I think the way Giannis was able to do it both offensively and kind of a more well-rounded game, so the defense, the rebounding, being able to basically playing defense. Let's just, I should not be around the bush. I think because he gives a full kind of compliment to the game. And when you think of most valuable player, we think of, okay, if you take this player off of the team, how is their performance? With James Harden, yes, the Rockets would struggle, but I still think that they would be all right because, you know, there would be some ball movement. I think if you take away Giannis from Milwaukee, that that team doesn't even make the playoffs in the East. And so I think, for me, I'm giving MVP to Giannis. I give the Rookie of the Year to Luka over Trey Young. I think for me, it's doing it over the whole of the season rather than kind of just the second half post-all-star break push. And I do think Budenholzer gets coach of the year for coming in and really elevating Milwaukee to this next level. Yeah, that's true. You see who's your rookie of the year? Or Luca. Okay, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, you know, he was top. He was topping a lot in scoring, rebounding, assist. Either he was top two or top three. So he he really had a, a heck of a season. Yeah, and I think it just, it goes to show you, kind of going into the shack. A lot of us had questions. Okay, had seen this guy before. Yes, he played pro ball in Spain, but does that really equate to the NBA game? And then on draft day, when his national team coach and kind of another person familiar with him from his international game, both passed on him, kind of flags were raised. Okay, maybe the Luka Doncic shot isn't for real. But he, he showed he's for real. He has, I don't want to say he can develop into being a Dirk Nowitzki because I don't want to limit him in terms of his multifaceted ability that he showed his rookie season. But I really think he could kind of at his size he can be kind of this Giannis Russell Westbrook model where he is so much of a focal point offensively, not just with the scoring, but his ability to pass the ball like Russell Westbrook, with his ability to take guys both inside and out like a Giannis. And then we've seen in late game situations, he wants the ball in his hand. And so he's got that ability to like take a game over. So I think the future is promising for Luca. Yeah, but then again, Trey Young though had a heck of a season. I could I could possibly see them doing a co rookie of the year with Trey Young and Luca, possibly like Grant Hill and Jason Kidd because Jason Kidd came on real late in in that ninety four ninety five season and was co rookie of the year with Grant Hill. Even though Grant Hill from the start of the season till about the end was pretty consistent with his numbers. Yeah, and I've heard a couple conversations about doing a co MVP or co-rookie of the year, excuse me, 
but eh, I'm not a huge fan of like toe awards. Like I recognize that some years they're the exception. And I also think that it just goes down to do you value kind of that coming on late as Trey Young did or kind of the from start to finish in the season. So I think for a lot of people it's going to be their personal preference. But I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up, hey, 50-50, co-rookie of the year. Because both of them do deserve it. And Trey Young will get better. He'll develop more of his game. We saw a little bit of his passing ability in four and his post-also break and then the freakish three-point shooting range that we saw at Oklahoma. Man, that's good. Can you believe the season went by fast? Any predictions for the first round? Of the playoffs, Paul George is day to day with a shoulder shoulder injury. By the way, yeah, I'm I'm looking at kind of the Thunder series as kind of my series to watch. Well, they're playing the Blazers. Yeah, but like that's one where you could honestly just flip a coin and not be surprised if either team wins, just because both teams are so. I don't want to say similar in that if two or two or three other key guys aren't going, then the rest of that team really suffers. And so important with Joe Gitch out, it's now the backcourt of oh, Leonard and McCollum. And then for Oklahoma City, it's obviously Russell Westbrook and Paul George. And so thinking about this series, I wouldn't be surprised if it went seven. My predictions, I want to say it's the Thunder. I think in the West, I think it's chalk, one to four seats when I think out East, we, talk, we texted a little bit about it. I wouldn't be surprised if Milwaukee and Detroit went to six, at least six games. And I saw something on Twitter. Well, Frank thinks that uh, it'll be uh, <laughs> a, clean sweep. a clean sweep as he thinks that they're not all that good. But I, I really think that Bucks Pistons series is going to be better than what people – expect and, and and like I said the Pistons have just been inconsistent if their guard play really steps up they are a handful for a lot of teams not to mention Blake Griffin needs to play a little bit but Reggie Jackson is when he's on his game the Pistons can't be stopped I've seen them play games where he's on his game they're probably one of the better teams in the league but it's just all that inconsistency that's going on uh Toronto and Orlando that could be interesting. I think Toronto will win that one. Uh, Philadelphia and Brooklyn. I mean, a lot of people are saying that this first round is going to be boring. And a lot of pundits, when they say that, end up the series actually end up pretty good. Boston, Indiana. I think Boston will edge them out because they just don't have the Victor Oladipo. But then again, though, um, Boston's been coasting through the season. It, you, you know, sometimes you can't turn the switch on and off all the time. Uh, Golden State and L.A., uh, the Clippers edition, or they're like the big underdogs. Like they're pretty much saying, why even the Clippers even showing up? I think Denver San Antonio will be an interesting matchup, considering that Denver number two seed, but barely any playoff experience. Portland and Oklahoma City once again. McCollum's coming back, um, but losing their center to that broken leg for Portland is that's going to be a, a big one. And Houston and Utah, I think, will be very interesting. But I think Houston might have a little bit too much firepower for Utah. But I think a lot of these series could go maybe five, six 
in almost all of them, maybe except the Golden State and the L.A. Clippers. That that one could probably be a clean sweep or a gentleman sweep. Yeah, and just kind of looking through the series, like a lot of people are saying, you know, with Spurs, Nuggets, and even myself, I think if that series is any less than five games, I would be shocked because in the playoffs, Popovich knows what he's doing. Like, this man is a master. Like, I don't want to say he's the Bill Belichick of the NBA, but Popovich knows what to say, how to organize, come playoff time. And so I think, would I be surprised, kind of even after saying, I think it's going to be chalk in the West, would I be surprised if the Spurs beat the Nuggets? No. And I don't think many people would be surprised if the Spurs beat the Nuggets because, one, the inexperience, and then, two, when you look at those late-game situations, are you going to rely on a big man to be your facilitator on offense if you're Denver? And while I think a lot of people are like, yeah, Nurkic can do that, but it's like, yeah, you kind of need a shooter. Someone that can, you know, be that ball hander, be that Russell Westbrook, Paul George, James Harden kind of guy. And a lot of the seasons people were asking, in Denver, who's that guy going to be? Are you going to trust one of your young guys? Or are you going to say, hey, Nurkic, you're the sunsung hero. We need you to be Mr. Everything. And so, yeah, this this playoff is going to be a lot, like you said, a lot more surprising than people think. And I wouldn't be surprised if Pacers beat the Celtics just because of how crazy Boston has been. Yeah, the Pacers-Boston will be a pretty de- uh, decent series, but... We'll wrap it up here. Take a quick commercial break. Uh, good, good uh, chat here. Coming up next, we'll talk a little bit about the college basketball, though. That'll be pretty interesting. Virginia ends up winning it, and we thought if it's Virginia Texas Tech, it'll be a boring national championship game. Huh. surprise, were surprise, we wrong? boy, were we wrong? And like I said, with these NBA playoffs, they might think it's gonna be a snoozer in the first round of the playoffs. I don't know. I'm looking at some of these matchups. It might be a pretty good one. Anyway, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we return, we'll talk a little bit of NCAA uh, uh, basketball final four. And uh, remember, listen to our podcast on WXUT's After Further Review on SoundCloud or just After Further Review on iTunes. Make sure you give us a good rating, five stars preferably. And uh, we can get this circulated around the uh, podcast uh, universe. When we return, David the Man of God Harris and I uh, elaborate on the NCAA Final Four. Uh, It's weekend itself, the semifinals, and then also the championship game. We'll be back after this. 